Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, where we have conversations with ordinary people to learn how our extraordinary God is at work in people's lives and in the world today. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited you've joined us. In our previous weekly interview episode, Jimmy Davidson told us his personal testimony of how he came to know Christ as his Lord and Savior and how Christ impacted his life. But we've been friends since the, oh, it's been about 25 years now, Jimmy, I'm estimating that we've known each other or coming up on yeah. that. When, when I was pastoring in Northeast Tennessee and you were in Southwest Virginia, now I'm in Northeast Florida and you're in Southern California. So there's been some life changes. There has. <laughs> Well, welcome back to Sound of Truth, Jimmy. So thankful you've come on again. Really enjoyed your testimony from last episode. Let's talk this week. Yeah, let's talk this week about the Christ life. This is something I, you and I have talked some about, and I know you have really made this a focus of your walk with Jesus and also of your teaching ministry. What do we mean when we use this these terms, Christ and life, as the Christ life? Yeah, there's so many scripture verses come to mind and then personal experience that when you live the Christ life and that's Christ living in you Colossians 1 I love Colossians 127 this is the mystery this is a secret Christ lives in you this is unbelievable Brett he lives in each one of us that have repented and put our faith in Christ He comes and literally dwells inside of us. One of the scripture verses that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And I will often share with small groups, large groups, that there's enough resurrection power in the room to absolutely change the world. The Moravians did that. What, a hundred and some people? Mm -hmm. And at the time, you couldn't go anywhere in the world that had not been impacted by one of those people. So for me, early in the ministry, as I'm trying to figure things out, you know, and great teachers and just wrestling with Scripture and truth. And I used to think, you know, there's only a few people that God's going to do great things through. I had that mentality. And I was so discouraged. I was so depressed. And God awakened me. It's not just through a select group of people. That Christ in each one of us, nothing is impossible with God. Jesus taught us that. So it's about him in us that we submit ourselves, our problems, our situations, our dreams. And it's so practical. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, I need a job. Like, I'm struggling. I need a job. Lord, where do you want me to be? And going to him and saying, Lord, I just want to submit this to you. I want to be where you want me to be. Because he can open doors that nobody can open. And mm-hmm. he, he tells us in his word, like these are anxious days that we live in. People are scared to death. Inflation is out the roof. It is real stuff. People are struggling to pay their bills. They feel trapped. You know, they're indebted. They're frustrated. We've had so many, quote, you know, uh, great leaders in the church that because there's been a, there's been enough of that happens, it makes everybody just want to dismiss the church and all pastors, which is a lie from Satan. You know, nobody's perfect. These guys fail, and their churches and the kingdom is you know paying consequences for that. But the Bible is very clear to us that in the midst of these anxious times, that Christ and us were to submit every situation to Him. And one of the reasons He tells us 
he says, I don't want you to worry about anything, which is like, are you serious? Like, what do you know that I don't know? Mm-hmm. I don't want you to worry about anything. And when you study the word worry, he's not talking about basic stuff like, okay, get up, comb your hair, take a shower. No, he's talking about the kind of worry that turns us inside out on the inside, paralyzes us. Paul said it like this. God's Spirit through Paul said in Philippians 4, one of my favorite passages, a go-to. The Lord is near. Stop being anxious about anything. Instead, with prayer and thanksgiving, why would he tell us to go with prayer and thanksgiving to our Father in heaven? Because Jesus tells us, your father, if you are an imperfect, sinful dad and your kids ask for something, if you're, if you're sinful and you know how to give them good things, how much more is your father in heaven going to give good things to them that ask him? And if you were to ask for uh, you know, I think the scripture says an egg. He's not going to give you a snake. So, you know, and this is just a point of confession. Sometimes I try to explain to God what I'm asking for because I've been around long enough to know that sometimes the things that I want would not be the best. It's the most ridiculous thing. I'm trying to explain to God what I mean by what I mean. He already knows he's only going to give good things does. He says, don't be anxious. Come to me with prayer and thanksgiving. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what I'm trying to say, Brett, the Christ life, he doesn't want us walking around tied up in knots like the world is. Like he said, you know, what are we going to eat? How are we going to live? Where are we going to live? What are we going to do? He doesn't want, he said, the world looks for that stuff. Jesus said, instead, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. He said, he'll, he'll take care of you. He's good. He's not evil. And I've just seen that in my own personal life. When I didn't fully understand, right, the Christ-like life and what that means and, you know, taking on worry and things like that. But God has developed me and discipled me and helped me enough that I've seen him do things that when when people see it or hear about it and they know me, Brent, they know I didn't do it. Like, you know me, Brent. Like, you're like, well, we know God's only doing that because <laughs> yeah. we're human beings. But that's what we want. We want, and this is what the world needs. The world needs to go to church or see the church in action or encounter, you know, God's people in such a way that what they see in their lives cannot be explained as a well-meaning Christian trying to do the best they can. No. The world needs to see Christ in us and God doing things through us that you cannot explain, humanly speaking. One of my heroes in the faith, George Mueller, and God has just taught me so much through him. And I actually prayed this prayer when when God came to me and, you know, when I was depressed, discouraged in my first church. And, you know, and I read George Mueller's testimony and in, in, uh, experiencing God, Henry Blackaby. And Mueller prayed often. God do a work through me that when people see it, they will say only God could have done it. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's what I want. And I mean, talk about a life, living a life like that. Mm -hmm. And so I just prayed, Lord, I'm asking you for this. And then when I prayed that prayer the first time, all of a sudden I had this like yucky feeling inside. 
And it was this thought came to my mind. Is that what you want? Like, do you want people when they look at you to think you're stupid, you're dumb, you're ugly, you're whatever? And Brent, for a moment, I'm like, ooh, nobody wants that. We don't want to be embarrassed. But then I realized where that was coming from. That was coming from the evil one. Mm-hmm. It's the same lie that he repeats over and over to all of us. And I just went back and prayed a second time, God do a work through me, that when people see it, they'll say, only God did it. And then when I when I you know lifted my head up, right under that testimony was Psalm 81.10. And the Lord says to his people, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. And I'm like, because I've been asking God about a problem and a call he had on my life. Lori was struggling with it because we didn't have any money. We, I mean, we didn't have anything you would expect you would need to do what we sent him saying. And so Lori was struggling. And so I'm asking God for her. God, would you show her this is not my idea. This is your idea. And next thing I know, I'm face to face with Psalm 8110. Open wide your mouth and I'll fill it. And I'm like, this is the most amazing verse. Like, I don't ever remember reading this verse. And I, I just kept on repeating it and looking at it. And, you know, after about 15 minutes, I'm by myself. And I'm like, how in the world do you do that? Like, it seems so easy. And I leaned back in my chair. I was by myself. And I raised my mouth up to the ceiling and pointed to my mouth. And I said, okay, God, feel it. Because that was as practical as I could go. Like, I don't even know what this means. And then somebody knocked on my door. They walked in the office and they said, hey, somebody told us that you're like a big kid. You love hamburgers. You know, we were visiting uh, sick people and the Holy Spirit told us to bring you your lunch. Fred, I'm not kidding you. As my mouth is back, my finger is pointing. They walk into my office with two hamburgers, two orders of fries, soft drink and laid it right beside my Bible and walked out. And I burst into <laughs> tears. Oh, man. I burst into tears, and I, I read, and it's always good to read the context. Like, people can pull anything out of the Bible and try to make it, you know. And when I read Psalm 81, God tells his people, if you will do what I tell you to do, I'll take care of you. Open wide your mouth is letting Christ do through you what he wants to do, even if it looks stupid, even if it looks dumb, even if it, if it doesn't make sense. And I, there is no greater exciting life. George Mueller did that. Uh, Major Eon Thomas, a, a book that I'm reading, The Indwelling Life of Christ, all of him and all of me, Major W. Eon Thomas, with the Lord now. Man, I would recommend this like two pages. Uh, a chapter, and he explains uh, what this life looks like, and the Bible explains it. You know, it over and over and over again. It talks about things like God is working in you, Philippians two thirteen, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. He's initiating this stuff. First Thessalonians five twenty four, the one who calls you is faithful, and I love this part. He will do it. We don't have the power to do it. Jesus said. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will be bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. John, Nothing. John 15, 5, yeah. One of my favorite yeah, verses. I, oh. I don't care how smart you are, how talented you are, how rich you are. Apart from Christ, you can't do 
the things that God wants to do through you. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom just recently, 82 years old, had surgery, three vertebrae replaced in her neck, three cadaver bones put in. And we found this doctor, my brother and his wife, uh, who's a nurse practitioner. We, we had looked all over, you know, can my mom even have the surgery? And we found this guy in uh, Raleigh-Durham, known as the praying surgeon. Hmm. And like didn't that. find that out until later. And he's, he's ranked like number one for these type surgeries, neurosurgery, in the entire nation for Medicare, Medicaid. And met this guy, and he told us his story, how that early in his career, and this young girl who'd had an accident and, you know, maybe wasn't going to make it. And, you know, he's a great surgeon. He's doing the surgery. And God saves this girl's life. And, you know, he goes to this guy, I guess it was her dad, and was talking about the results and everything. And this guy reminded him what had happened. And Dr. Hoagland's like, I mean, this is not completely, you know, I can't remember all the details, but he tells us that he showed him this group of people they gathered to pray in the room that struck him in such a great way. And what had happened in this girl's life, he has never ceased to stop praying for ever patient. He's done over 8,000 of these surgeries, Brett. He's only had two patients that developed an infection. Mm. Two. Two. Mm. And my mom recovering, no more pain in her arm. No, But when he walked in and prayed for her right before surgery, it wasn't this rote mechanical prayer. He prayed as one who knows Jesus and knows that he is the secret to his success and what he's doing. So that's a long answer, but man, Christ is that real in what he wants to do through us. But we have to yield to him because a lot of people, you know, give the impression God is this bully. Sometimes people get this impression from people who claim to follow Jesus. God is not a bully. He's meek and lowly and gentle. And so he doesn't force stuff on us. No, he, he comes to us. And he wants us to allow him to control our lives and yield our lives to him on a regular basis. And uh, it's just so fun. The results of it, it, it reminds me of the feed of the 5,000, some of the miracles. I think the way God did it, I was listening to a local pastor talking about when he turned the water into wine, that when you read that miracle, it's as if when the servant in the act of obeying and pouring the water was when the miracle happened. When the 5,000 were fed and the disciples obeyed and broke the bread, the miracle happened. I think the miracles are so profound that people can miss what just happened. Mm-hmm. They know something happened that cannot be explained, and yet they miss. Some of the disciples, when Jesus rose from the dead, some of them still doubted Brett. They're handling him and looking at him. So I think doubt something that is plagues us, you know, oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Satan tries to create the doubt like he did Eve, you know, and Adam in the garden. And did God really say? I think our culture's awash in people doubting the Word, doubting God, doubting Christ, which is part of the enemy, right? He's blinded people's minds. But if people knew how good, loving, empowering that Christ is to enable them to be fully who he made them to be, which is pretty cool. We get to actually be who God created us to be like that bit. So 
yeah, I would just encourage. Um, and he, the Lord is so practical, Brett. Hey, if that's not been someone's life, just go to him. Just be honest. Prayer's not, you have to bow your head. Prayer's talking to God. And if you belong to him, if you've accepted him, just pour your heart out and tell him how you feel. Even if you can't put it into words, Romans 8, God knows how you feel. And just invite him to take control of your life, submit your kids, your marriage, your job, your, you know, your finances, and then begin to see God, the good, good father. Start arranging circumstances. Start doing things that you can only know that God did it. And, uh, and here's a warning. You know, I have a gift of faith, but no matter how many times I see God do things, like I'm still prone to doubt and worry and be afraid. So, you know, you have to constantly, I think Jesus, when he said, if you want to be my disciple, you're going to have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. He says daily. Why? He knows us. He knows how we are. So G- Peter said, how many times do I got to forgive him, Jesus? Seven. Jesus knew him, Peter. Seventy times seven. So Jesus in teaching most- us, teaching yep. us disciples and, and us how to pray. He says, yeah. yeah, give us this day our daily bread. Yes. Yes. And we're in a culture that we want to have our daily bread stocked up, stored in case we live to be 120. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's our culture, right? So yeah. yes, we should say, yes, we should prepare for the future. The ant does it. God says we ought to do it. But come on, daily, you know, don't worry about tomorrow, Jesus said as he's teaching. He said, there's enough trouble today, dude. You know, I'm in control, so follow me. And uh, don't be anxious about tomorrow or the next day or paralyzed by fear. Very good, Jimmy. I tell you what, I'm going to just wrap up with this verse from Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, yep. which kind of is a foundational yep. verse for this concept of Christ is my life. And the, the Christ life, living the life that is characterized by Jesus in me, the hope yep. of glory, and letting truly Christ be Christ in me and through yep. me. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jimmy, do you mind recording for one more episode? Yeah, I would love to. All right. We're going to wrap this one then and and, uh, have you again on another weekly interview coming up real soon here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth podcast is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville and is copyrighted by Brett Amorani, 2023.